Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Awesome. We're going to get into the Word this morning and, uh, and uh, we're just going to see what God will do because you know His Word is our, the light to our feet. It's the lamp for our path. It's, it's the way we guide our lives. And so we must be a people of God's Word. We must be passionate about God's Word. And uh, you'll never know God as well as you know His Word. Yeah. And if you want to know about Him, who He is, what He's like, it's all in this great thing that we are privileged to call the Bible. Amen? Yeah. So this morning we're going to jump straight into it. We're going we're to go through the passage of Scripture, John 3.16. Uh, John 3.16. And uh, I, I, I love this passage of Scripture. In fact, I, I really believe in this message... In this scripture is the message that everybody needs to hear. Uh, you know, we, we're in a season as a church in Christian classics where we want to sort of revive passages of scripture that are famous, well-known, often quoted, or maybe forgotten about because they are so classic. And so those of us that have been in church for years are like, we've heard that. And those of us that have been in church for minutes are like, what's that thing? And so we want to open up these important passages of scripture. This morning is going to be John 3.16 and... John 3.16 is potentially the most famous, most memorized, most wall-plucked scripture in, uh, in, in all of the earth. But it's also potentially the most important passage of scripture in the Bible. You know, it, it's hard to have a most important passage. But if we, you know, for me, if we had to find one, this one carries so much weight. This, um, this passage is essentially the linchpin of everything that we believe. Because the truth is what it says about, in it, and what you believe about what it says has the biggest implications for, yes, today, but more importantly, for eternity. Uh, this, this, what you believe about the end days, your eschatology, and, and whether it's going to be the rapture or how the world's going to end is really not that important without an understanding of the revelation that's found in this passage, John 3.16. Uh, what we believe about the, the, the creation and how God created the world within seven days and how that formed and was it really seven days or was it a scientific seven days and really what you believe about creation is not that important outside of a revelation of what's being spoken about in John 3.16 because you know John 3.16 is truly the essence of the gospel it's the simplicity and it's the complexity of the gospel and it, it carries so much weight for you and I because what we believe about it really does impact our eternity, whether we spend it, uh, in, in, our, our, our eternity in eternal damnation or whether we spend eternity in eternal salvation. This scripture is not just for the beginners, it's for everybody to understand, to know. It's the message that everybody needs to hear. I was in Auckland visiting City Point, uh, Auckland, just a few weeks ago, and on my night off, I was there in the heart of the city, and I went for a walk, and uh, I saw a gentleman there with his speaker, and he was on the corner, he was preaching the gospel to anyone that would listen, and there were people walking by, and no one was paying attention, and I found myself sitting across the road admiring him, and, and just listening and processing with God, you know, is this effective, is this important, is it, you know, he, what, what do we do with this sort of thing, and it appeared that no one was listening and he finished his message. He packed up his uh, little box there and he went on his way and he wouldn't know uh, who was listening or who wasn't. But as I sat there 
there was a girl just to my left who had been sitting there listening the whole time. And as they left, I, I went and sat next to her and I inquired. I said, hey, you know, what do you think about what those guys were saying? And she said, I, I really like it. She said, I don't know if I agree with everything, but I really like what they were saying. And through further conversation, uh, she began to share with me how she has uh, drug-induced psychosis. So because of the drugs she's taken, there's damage to her brain. And, and, and she, she was telling me she likes sitting here because uh, she's looking for an answer. She's looking for something. And for me, it was so important to recognize that these guys preaching the love of God on a street corner may not know the impact that they're having. But she said to me, this is the second time that I've come and sat here and listened to what they have to say. It's because she's searching for something. And this is a message that everybody needs to hear. This, the, 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 in, in, uh, in, in Matthew 13, 44, it speaks about uh, there are parables where Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. And he says in Matthew 13, 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Jesus is saying this is God's kingdom. It's, it's this treasure that's found in a field. And this person is willing to give up everything to acquire that hidden treasure. There's another one called the pearl of great price in Matthew 13, 45. And it says, the, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he finds that one special pearl, it says he goes and sells everything that he has so that he can acquire this pearl of great price. Can I tell you this morning that John 3.16 is the revelation, it's the truth. It is the way, the truth, the life. It is this hidden treasure that is worth selling everything you have for. It is the pearl of great price which is worth you giving up everything you have for. It is life and it is life there more abundantly. This message is worth reading, it's worth reciting, it's worth memorizing, and it's worth understanding because to truly understand what's in this famous passage of Scripture is to truly understand who God is, what God did, and how much God loves us. Amen. So this morning I want to just go through a few thoughts. Uh, there are sort of seven key words that I want to look at, and I'm going to do it through four thoughts in the time that we have this morning and really try my best to unpack what God's saying within this. Now, obviously, when I expand, if I show you these seven thoughts, this is not going to be the exhausted revelations found in these words or these topics. You know, we could do a sermon on each one of these. You could write a book on each one of these. Uh, but we're just going to go through what God's saying this morning. And because uh, and, it's important for us to understand this great hidden treasure. You know, we, we carry the gospel, right? The gospel is a gift. And, you know, if, imagine you had this gift that you knew could change somebody's life and eternity forever. This great gift, but the only way they could receive the contents that are inside of it is by you explaining to them what's inside it, but they're not allowed to open it until they believe what you say is true. We have to have, if we're called to carry the gospel to the world, we have to have a deep 
revelation and understanding what's inside of here so that we have the ability by His Spirit to convince a world out there that what we have here is the best thing for them, but they cannot experience its goodness until they believe what you're saying is true and then they get everything that's inside. We need to understand what's inside this great hidden treasure. Amen? John 3.16, if you don't know what it is, says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 and 18 for context says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The seven foundations or the seven pillars or the seven words that are in this scripture are this. Number one, God. Number two, loved. Number three, the world. Number four, the Son. Number five, believe. Number six, perish. Number seven, everlasting life. And I want to go through those in four thoughts, and those four thoughts will be this. God loved the world that He gave His Son, that whoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Number one this morning, God. I want to quickly unpack who God is. Now, of course, God is a very big topic. And, and we live in a generation where I truly believe that the, the, uh, the idea of atheism is a dying breed because we have a generation that recognizes there is something out there. There's more to life than just existing and then turning into nothing, into dust. There's more to it. And so, but we have to recognize that although there is God, God, not all roads lead to God. The Bible talks about it the narrow way. It says that there, the broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. It's not saying it's hard to come to Jesus. It's saying there's one way out of a billion other ways that lead to God the Father. So we have to recognize that not all roads lead to Rome, but there is God. And the God that we believe in, the God who we believe is the creator of the world. I want to go through some thoughts about who he is and what he's like this morning. And so, uh, firstly, it's important to answer the question, who is God? God is the everlasting Father. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe and everything that's within it. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. There is none like him and there is none before him. One of the great questions of our day is, well, if God created the world, the universe, then who created God? And, and I truly think the answer is really, really simple, and it's that we do not know, nor will we ever know. Because the reality is it's not something we can comprehend. The reality is it's one of these mysterious miracles that God is. He always has been and always will be. Now, we have to recognize that you know, we, our, our brains can't comprehend. And even if there was an answer to the question of who created God, if he was going to choose anyone to tell, it would be Pastor Sam, right? <laughs> but even if Pastor Sam had this divine revelation from God 
about who created God, and he came and told us none of us would believe him anyway. Because it's not in the Bible. And so we have to understand that God is, he's always been, and will always be. Isaiah 33 speaks, uh, Isaiah 33 verses 22 speaks of God like this, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, and he will save us. I want us to see something this morning that God is our judge. You know, God has a moral standard according to his righteous laws, and in the end of our days, there is a moment where God will judge the living and the dead. There's a moment where God will make a judgment of our lives and what we believed in and how we lived our lives. And based on that judgment, we'll decipher where our eternity is spent. You know, this is stuff that we don't like to talk about a whole lot anymore because it's mildly offensive, but that doesn't make it not true. Matthew 25, 41 says this. It says, Then he will say to those on the left hand, which is very offensive to left-handed people, those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's speaking that there is a moment where God will say, You go this way and you go this way, and we have to understand that God is a judge, and he will judge according to his standards and not according to our standards. He will judge according to his standards, which are found within his word, because it says that he is our lawgiver, meaning he's given us the directions, the guidelines, the parameters of how we're supposed to live a life that is surrendered to his ways and his wills and his divine authority. Amen. God is our judge. He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords, meaning there are rulers in this world. There have always been rulers. There will always be rulers. But He is the King of all the kings. He is the Lord of all the lords. He is the supreme authority, the sovereign God above every prime minister, over every president, and over every authority in the world. And just because different authorities and governments and leadership do not subject themselves to the God of the universe doesn't mean that he's still not the king of kings. It just means those people are functioning outside of his supreme will and ways. We can do that. We have an authority in our nation. It's called the police force. And many of us do not function according to their laws and ways. Probably not this church because you have great pastors, but other churches, (laughs) other people. We have to understand he is the supreme one. and We need to understand that God is good. Uh, Psalm 100 verses 5 says, For the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Luke 18, 19, So Jesus said to them, Why do you call me? No one is good but one, that is God. So God is good, and we have to understand that if God is good, then everything He does is good, everything He says is good, even if we don't like it, it's still good. Even if we don't understand it, it's still good, because God is is good. God has emotions. He can be happy. He can be sad. He can be angry. He has a will and his mind can be changed. I love this picture of God because it shows us a personable God. And you know, there are many passages throughout scripture where God had a destiny for a certain thing or place. And because of a person who was in a relationship with God and through conversation with God, God changed his mind. It says that our sovereign, authoritative, supreme God 
has emotions and it says that he is willing to engage with us his, and co-labor with us and he will change his mind because he's a personable God, amen? God is love, which tells us whatever God does, whatever God says is in love because God is love. He is the definition of love. He's the final say on what love is, amen? Which takes us to point number two, which is, number one is for God. Number two is this, for God so loved the world. When we speak of the world here, I just want to help us understand a little bit about the world and what God is loving. And the best way that I've found through studying, and uh, I've heard somebody define it like this, the world, it is the great mass of fallen humanity that needs salvation. So when we speak of the world, it's speaking of every person that's existed in human history, the, fall, the, the entire fallen people group of the world that needs salvation. When it speaks of it, it's not talking about those who have inherited God's kingdom and salvation. It's speaking of every person who has rejected God in their sin and they're separate from God. For God so loved the world, sinners separate from God, that's who he loved. So we have some people like to say, you know, God doesn't love sinners. That's not true. God loved the world. God loved you and I. There's the, he loved us so much. In fact, his love is so deep. You know, it's so great. Uh, I want to read really quickly Ephesians 2, 4, verses 5. I apologize if I'm going fast. I have a lot to get through. <laughs> Ephesians 2, verses 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, because of this great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Or Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates, God shows us his love towards us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want us to understand his love is so great and his love is so deep. We, in our broken, sinful, separate from God ways, can I help us understand that we did not deserve saving. You and I did not deserve the love of God. You and I did not deserve the blood of Jesus. But according to scripture, you and I were worth the love of God. You and I were worth the blood of Jesus. You and I were worth saving. Because because of our sins, God, we're separate from God. And he looked at humanity. And because of his deep love with which he loved us, we didn't deserve saving, but we were worth saving. We, we would never pay a high price for something that's worth nothing to us. God is the same. He would not pay the highest price of his son for you and I if we were not worth his love. Because of his love which he has for us. Because of his mercy for us. Because of his grace for us. And this same love, mercy and grace is not limited to those who believe, but it's for the world. The fallen humanity that needs salvation. I've heard people describe mercy like this. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is you not getting what you do deserve. Or, and then grace is described that grace is you getting what you don't deserve. So mercy is on my way here this morning driving in the car. If I was to speed, which I would never do, 
but I, if I was to be pulled over for speeding, the police officer would come and he would walk up to my window. And if he was to extend mercy to me, he would say, I'm going to let you off your fine today because I deserved a fine, but he extended mercy to me, which he let me off the hook. Grace would be this, that in his mercy, the police officer let me off the hook for my fine, and then he looks at me and says, you know what, I'm also going to give you one million dollars. <laughs> grace is you not getting what you do deserve. Mercy, his unmerited, I'm sorry, grace, his unmerited favor is you getting what you don't deserve. Grace saves you from eternal damnation separate from God. Sorry, mercy saves you from eternal damnation and separation from God. But grace gives you life and life there more abundantly. Come on. You and I were not worth, sorry, you and I did not deserve saving, but we were, were worth saving. His love is that great for us. That God gave us His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world. That he gave. Love, it, it, when we speak of love there, it speaks of an agape love. It speaks of this love that is not a, a, a sexual love. It's not a brotherly love. It's a love that seeks the highest good of the other person. It's a love that would do whatever it takes so that the other person would benefit, even if it be at our own personal cost. For God so loved the world that he gave his son who is Jesus. Now, very quickly, I want us to understand who Jesus is because, you know, in, in Christian circles, it's easy for us to recognize, yep, God impregnated the Virgin Mary and she gave birth to Jesus. But for anybody else who is not well equipped with Christianity, when they think that someone gave birth to the Son of God, it means that somebody had sex with Mary so that she could be impregnated. Now, in our culture, that sounds crazy. In other religions, that's not so crazy that God would sleep with a human because you know, th th there's all this stuff. But we have to recognize that Jesus is God. You know, it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word here is speaking about Jesus. It says that the Word was God, which means Jesus is God. It says that the Word was with God, which means although Jesus is God, He was distinct from God because He was with God. Yeah. And then it says that the Word was in the beginning, and the beginning, sorry, in the beginning was the Word, which says that Jesus was in the beginning with God, meaning Jesus didn't come into existence the day that Mary gave birth to Him. Yeah. Jesus has always been because He is yeah. God. This is a stumbling block for many different people and religions that, that how can Jesus be separate from God but be God at the same time? Again, it's this beautiful, mysterious miracle that makes our God so amazing that although we can't always totally comprehend this reality, it's still a true reality that God is Jesus and Jesus is God, which shows us how great His love was for us because if God who loved us, said that no greater love has a man than to lay down one's life for a friend, yeah. wanted to be true to his word when he's expressing his love to the world, he, he, would, he would rather than send himself, he uses Jesus and he says, well, you go do the hard work for me. But because Jesus is God, God didn't just sacrifice his son for our salvation, God sacrificed himself 
for our salvation, therefore outworking the integrity of his word that he loved us with a love that would lay down his life so that we could truly live, that we could experience eternal life with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnate deity. In every other religion, there is people trying to get to God in our life-giving relationship with God. God saw us and he thought, how can I get to them? And he came down to us because he's a personable, good, loving God. And he loved us so much that he gave us his son who is himself so that we could be saved. The most beautiful, mysterious miracle in all the world that Jesus came and died for the salvation of mankind who didn't deserve it, but who were worth every part of it. Which takes us to the final thought this morning that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. To understand the context here of the word perish, a good definition of understanding perish in this context is this, to devote or give over to eternal misery in hell. That's what the word perish is speaking of here. To perish does not just mean in this context to cease to exist. It means that you will be separate from God and you'll be given over to eternal misery. This is the word perish. Then there's a beautiful word, eternal life, which speaks of everlasting life with God in peace, in in joy, in righteousness, in heaven forever. There's no more hurting. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. It's just one amazing place with peace with God. You have perish, which is eternal misery in hell, and you have everlasting life, which is eternal peace with God. And right there, deciding factor between the perishing or eternal life is this word believe. For those who believe will not perish, but have everlasting life. The word believe here does not just mean believe that God is real. The word believe here means to put complete trust and reliance upon, to trust Him and His promises, to trust His word, to trust His ways, and trust Him so much that you will live according to His words, whether it's popular or not. That you would stand firm in the faith, that you would work out your salvation day by day, that you would hold true to the faith, standing with God, even in persecution, even when people don't like what we say, even when people don't like what we believe. Come on, there's a place where we have to believe, put trust and reliance upon the person of Jesus. To just believe He's real is not enough. To just attend church on Sundays is not enough. There has to be a total surrender of one's life. Jesus says those who want to gain life will lose their life. But those who want to keep their life will lose their life. There's something about following Jesus that takes total surrender. You know, I have this thought that says Jesus never rejected or turned anybody away. Because he loves the world. But he did set a standard of what it means to follow him. And many have rejected and turned away Jesus. I want to tell you, there's something about believing in him. 
trusting Him and trusting that His promises are yes and amen. The word believe this morning is everything to put your trust in Him. Because to believe in Jesus means eternal life with God. But if that is true, then the opposite is also true. To not believe means to reject Jesus and to perish and to be put over to eternal misery in hell. But can I tell you something beautiful today? That's not God's plan for anybody. Because God loves the world. It says in the scripture that he desires that not one would perish, but that all would be saved. It says in verse uh, 17 that God did not send Jesus to come and condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In verse 18, it says that those who believe are not condemned, but those who do not believe are already condemned. Which tells me something beautiful about this passage is that God did not send Jesus to come and send people to hell. It says that those who do not believe in Jesus are already going there. But God sent Jesus to come give people a way out. To come give them life. To come show them mercy and, and, and not give them what they deserve and come show grace and give them everything that they didn't deserve. But to receive this gift of Jesus is to believe. I said in the beginning, there's a gift that we hold. And the only way to receive what's on the inside of it is to believe. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.